You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today's the day I'm officially calling the doctor. Because <laughs> I can't take this anymore. I passed out at 5 o'clock, just out cold. Woke up a little after 8, went to my bed, passed out. 3 o'clock, can't get up. And three days in a row of crazy dreams. I never remember my dreams. I don't. I have no idea what my dreams are. Three days in a row. Went on a very nice family vacation. That is until some of my family members didn't come and uh, was informed it was because of me. (laughs) So to recap, um, my dad planted a bomb and we had to escape to Hawaii. What the heck was yesterday? I forget what yesterday was. And then then today, uh, my family chose not to go on a very nice family vacation uh, because I was going to be there. I forgot what they said the reason was. My uncle just told my grandma. Like, my grandma was insistent on knowing why, and my uncle's like, mm, I don't know, there's reasons, and she kept pushing, and he's like, all right, it's because of him. I was like, whoa, <laughs> what? So, so I think I need a couple different kinds of medication. I'm not sure what they are, but, <laughs> oh, man, it's kind of, it's kind of fun. Kind of interesting. At least when you wake up. When you're sleeping, it's not great. I was also an actor. I'm just remembering I was like an actor in this weird, almost like Peaky Blinders type of thing. I don't know. It doesn't matter. So um, there are some rumors out there. I don't know if you knew about this, that the Miami Dolphins have received trade offers for wide receiver Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker, apparently like every wide receiver in the entirety of the NFL, is 29 years old. We need to go back to that, roughly that draft class <laughs> and figure out what the heck is going Every single wide receiver we've talked about, including Devontae Adams, is 29 years old. JJ was the first one to um, alert me to this, and he's kind of been doing a little bit of work on this on the Twitters. And the first benefit that he highlights is um, the contract for Devontae Parker. The biggest benefit perhaps to a team that doesn't have a ton of cap space, which the Packers technically don't, is this. JJ says, if you trade his contract as is today, the prorated bonus obviously don't travel with him. So he's 5.65 million this year, 5.7 million next year, plus an extra 1.2 million in per game roster and workout bonuses over the next two years. In layman's terms, that's about half of what MVS costs. Now the big question, well, there's, there's two big questions remaining. Is he a good football player and what would he cost in a trade? I honestly think both of those things are good news. I really do. First of all, and I mentioned this to JJ, I've always been a big Devontae Parker fan. And the only reason I even say, because it sounds weird, I'm I'm a Packer fan that never talks about Miami, never contemplates or thinks about their wide receivers. However, keep in mind, 
I have had an NFL Draft YouTube channel, so I've had to talk about every single one of these guys. When I do my uh, analysis for the Miami Dolphins over the years, and I do my mock drafts, I'll I'll do things like this, that, or the other, and somebody will say, well, you should have gotten him a wide receiver, and I say, I like your wide receivers, and they'll say, you're an idiot. And so Devontae Parker is just one of those guys, and there's several of these throughout the league that I either like more, more than the... Uh, either the draft community, the team fans, the general whatever, um, or less than. And in this case, it's more than. I just think he's he's a generally underrated guy. I think he's a very steady. Um, I mean, think about Miami and how bad they've been. He's been in the league since 2015, how many different quarterbacks they've had. They've never really had an explosive um, wide receiver, tight end, running back. But he has just been a consistent presence. And I think generally, if you just look at his yards, that's going to be where the issue is. He had 1,000-yard season in 2019, but otherwise, 494, 799, 670, 309, 1202, 793, and then this past year, 515. Now, again, injuries played a role, which is a concern when you're 29 years old, you've been in the league a while, and you've had some injury issues. We know this. This is what we've had to talk about for every single player. But as many people have pointed out, we may be at the point where you kind of need to... and, And... Generally, I don't like acquiring people in free agency. I would rather get them in the draft. But I do think that there is something to be said. Let's just say the Packers are going to add multiple wide receivers. Let's just assume that. And I do kind of assume that. Not that they can predetermine that going in, but I think they're going to work very hard to ensure that that happens, whether that means trade-ups or if there's nobody here right now, possibly even a trade-back or, God forbid, a reach. But let's just call it two. And your options are two free agents, and let's just say free agent. It could be a trade or a free agent, just somebody that's already a football player now. Two draft picks or one of each. I really think my preference is one of each. Generally, I always lean toward the draft. But again, my issue is rookies generally don't perform well. Um, Rookies are always unknown commodities, even in the first round. Not only do I not expect a first-round rookie to produce at a very high level, I think there's maybe a 50% chance he doesn't produce at all as in just is a bad football player. Now, granted, if you get two, it it doubles your odds, but there's still a good chance that you don't get massive production in year one. And being that we are a team that is clearly all in and has a couple years left with Aaron Rodgers, I, I think you need at least some baseline production. And again, this is what I've been saying for a while. It's just about raising the floor and then go out and just crush it in the draft. Who cares, man? Once you raise that floor, then you can try to build on it as much as possible. Now you start working on the ceiling. Now you go get those guys that run four three that are six foot three, and you know, basically just describing Christian Watson. But um, just go get the high ceiling guys, Traylon Burks or, or Drake London or whoever it is you think is that high ceiling prospect, or get another low floor guy. Again, for me, that might be George Pickens. Granted, injuries and whatnot doesn't really kind of lowers your floor, but. Devontae Parker, if you look at just his grade, and again, these are not elite grades, but keep it in, in, in the terms of other guys that we've had outside of Devontae. Guys that are generally 60 overall. MVS struggled to get to 60. He was hovering in the 50s most years. But Devontae Parker's grades, 72, 75, 70, 70, 79, 76, 73. He's never been elite. I mean, 2019 was a great year, and 2020 was also, I mean, back-to-back pretty good years. But I just think he's always been a pretty consistent producer. He's not a major touchdown guy, again, outside of 2019. 
But I think between the 20s, he's just a consistent receiver. On top of that, six foot three, 216, 445 speed. Tell me that's not a Green Bay Packers receiver. He's a big body guy with some decent speed. He's not elite speed, and compared to this draft class, you might as well just call him slow. But 445 clearly meets whatever speed thresholds the Packers have. Not too long ago, I would have said Devontae Parker was pretty fast. Maybe not today, but he's got enough speed. And yes, with a couple injuries, maybe we'll just call him 4-5, but that's what Devontae was. A couple injuries and seven years under his belt. But the, the other point is he has not had any regression. I mean, his three best years, for the most part, have been the last three years. So, I mean, if, if, if it's about a cheap option, and, and again, the, the issue or the, the concern I have with Devontae Parker outside of injuries is with the contract being so low, you would think the compensation would have to be higher, right? I mean, it's, it's player value minus contract. Well, if the contract isn't high, then you might have to add more. But I don't know that Devontae Parker, is, I, I know for a fact he's not a first-round pick guy. I wonder if we could get away with not even a second. I don't know what Devontae Parker is worth. I, I, and again, it's because I don't think he's thought of as being very high. You know, Julio would command a bunch more. I know he's a free, I'm just giving an example of, of a guy that I think is maybe equal. Julio and Devontae Parker, as far as their output the last year or two, has been about equivalent. But I think if they were to be traded, if all things were equal, they were on a team and their contract was 5.5, let's just call it million dollars, I bet Julio's trade value would be much higher. Because he's Julio Jones. Devontae Parker, though, has never made a big name for himself. He doesn't have a claim of, yeah, well, in 2019, I was a freak. And even though that shouldn't matter, I think it does. I think some teams are going to look at that and they're going to say, what if? They're going to believe in their coaching staff. They're going to believe that their quarterback is going to elevate them. They're going to believe all these things. But if Devontae Parker's never really had a big, like, check me out year, I mean, he had one year in 2019 of 1,200 yards and, and nine touchdowns, as I said. I just don't know that he, he has anything to point to to, to command anything massive. So I, I think worst case scenario, and I don't know that I'd necessarily hate it, and this is coming from someone who is over the moon about our, our draft picks, but I think worst case scenario is, and also there, there is the supply and demand thing. If, if other teams just decide to offer more, then, then we'd have to offer more. But if we can get them for our second second round pick and still have two firsts and an upgraded second round pick thanks to the Raiders, and add Devontae Parker, and it only costs us $5 million bucks. I think this is my new favorite option. It's not a perfect option. Devontae Parker is not an elite football player, but again, we're not going to add. There isn't anyone out there, aside from DK Metcalf, which is a horrible option. That is like bottom of my list of options, because it's going to cost us massive draft picks, and then we're going to have to pay him probably more because it's a year later. If DK has any level of success in Green Bay, probably more than what Devontae got, and that's going to make me sick, because he's not as good as Devontae although he is probably younger, so that might actually kind of pan out. But whatever, we, we, I don't want to downgrade wide receiver and end up paying more than what we would have paid Devontae. That's, that makes me sick. And again, I don't mind Julio as an option because I, um, I think, again, even though he's a downgraded player, I think he's still a good football player. I mean, that's the, everybody, oh, he's washed. He's, he's a washed-up version of Julio, but he's at least on par with a guy like Devontae Parker. The problem is I think he wants to get paid big money. So I think it's going to cost us more than it's going to cost Devontae. The, the, the other problem, though, is you don't have to give up anything for Julio because he's just floating out there. I don't need to give up a second, third, fourth. I don't have to give a seventh. I got to give nothing. But make no mistake, Devontae Parker would be an upgrade over MVS. No question. I'm not even saying that they're the same guy. 
I'm just saying, positionally, wide receiver, he's better. And I think that sets a solid floor. And, and let's not forget Alan Lazard is still on the team. Alan Lazard was the better receiver than MVS. Alan Lazard is, um, he's not a top-tier wide receiver, but he's not nearly as bad as people make him out to be. This is, I, I had done this many times in the past where if you compare our number two wide receivers to other number two wide receivers, we don't come out very poor. And our number three was always significantly better than other wide receiver threes, not even because he's good, but it's just everybody's wide receiver three is not great, with the exception of a couple teams like Tampa a couple years ago. Their number three was basically like an, a number one wide receiver the year they, you know, won the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> there, there goes all the wide receiver freaks that are you know pounding the table now i get it man i understand so do i think the packers end up coming away with them i mean of course not first of all the the miami dolphins have ever come already come out and said that um they expect to keep them now that may just be you know talk to try to up the the ante form or whatever because there is a lot of talk about miami not being able to afford all the guys that they have now that they brought in tyreek it's very similar to um who the heck was it oh the dallas situation Dallas didn't bring it. Well, they did. They brought in um, several guys and then drafted a bunch of guys. Um, But it just got to the point where you're about to have three pretty expensive wide receivers and we need to avoid that. And they avoid that by just getting rid of somebody. And so with the Miami Dolphins, after they brought in Tyreek Hill, you've got Jalen Waddell, who's the guy that you just drafted, who's the young future kind of whatever. And then you have Devontae Parker on top of it. So, you know, my thought with Dallas was I think they have one more year before they need to freak out, but they're like, nope, now is the time. And maybe that's just because they want to take the dead cap hit now as opposed to taking a dead cap hit next year on top of paying this guy on top of that guy's salary cap who we just paid last year spiking. So now we got three issues with wide receivers and one of them isn't on the team. And for the Dolphins, you know, again, I don't really think that they need to panic. I mean, they just drafted Jalen Waddle in 2021. Um, so they have him through 2024 on his rookie contract, but it's still, I mean, considering where he was drafted, his cap number is actually still kind of high. Uh, this year he's 6 million, 2023, he's 7 million, 2024, he's 8 million cheap for what he is, but still costs some money. And on top of that, I think you look at Devonte Parker and his, um, although his base salary is 5.6, the team is taking on an $8.7 million cap hit. And now you bring in Tyreek Hill, who's got a $6.2 million cap hit. So again, all three of these are relatively low, but next year, <laughs> next year, Tyreek Hill's contract number, um, and I'm sure there's some weird workings on this, which are going to, you know, I don't know exactly how this all, <laughs> all comes into play, but his cap number says $31 million. So point is, they, they've got to do some shuffling here between these three wide receivers. And maybe, at, at the very least, even if they don't have to, maybe they're looking at it and saying, we don't need Devontae Parker. He's not an elite guy. He's our number three. He's 29 years old. If we can move him now for some compensation while there is a absolute fever for wide receivers, maybe now is the time to do it. If the compensation is high enough, um, maybe there's desperation if there is, they're not going to let on to it. They're, they're going to play it off like, nah, I don't really care. We'll do it if we want to. Um, but maybe there just isn't. And maybe it's, you know, again, if there's the right offer, we'll listen. Because, again, long-term Devontae Parker is not part of the, the equation. Now, again, if it's me and I've got two and I'm trying to figure this thing out, let's give him a year with three wide receivers. Just see what it looks like. But 
the other part of the equation is the draft capital. If you can get a second round pick for him, let's convert it now. He's still got two good wide receivers. We can use that second on something we need more than a third wide receiver and maybe build up this offensive line. Maybe go out and get pass rushers, Jalen Phillips and Andrew Van Ginkle. I mean, come on, man. This is this is where everybody's talking about how great Miami is, especially their defense. And it's like, dude, who? I mean, I, I'm a huge Raekwon Davis fan. That, I mean, I'm looking at their defensive line from edge to edge, and maybe Christian Wilkins is their best player. Adam Butler, Emmanuel Agba, Andrew Van Ginkle, and Jalen Phillips. Wow. Their backups are Deshaun Hall, Darius Hodge, Zach Sealer, and Raekwon Davis. And Oh, and John Jenkins. Um, actually, he's a free agent, though. And there's nobody... They got Jerome Baker at linebacker, Vince Beagle, although he's a free agent, but I mean, that's a name that people know. Everybody else is, um, is basically like a practice squad guy, a Landon Roberts, Duke Riley, Sam, whatever, Brennan Scarlett, Calvin Munson. I mean, they don't have linebackers. Even if you like Jerome Baker, they don't have any. What they have is DBs. They got Xavier Howard and they got Javon Holland, who was a freakish draft pick last year. Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Byron Jones is also good. I know they got corners or DBs, I should say. But um, the offensive, again, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, edge rusher, I mean, running back. I mean, maybe, maybe Miles Gaskin is okay, who has one year left on his contract. So, I mean, I don't have to do a full breakdown, but I just want to give the, the feel of where Miami's at right now. And it seems silly, like, why would you get rid of Devontae Parker? But I'm just looking at it from the lens of if I'm the Miami Dolphins, I get it. I mean, if I can get a second, even a late second, which the Packers have, and again, I don't know that he's worth that, and I don't know if the Packers would be willing to give up that for two years of Devontae Parker. Maybe they wouldn't. Tell you what they should do, give up this year's third and next year's third. (laughs) I don't want those freaking things anyways. And then they got to give us back a fourth or something because we do pretty well in the fourth. I know that's like fake voodoo nonsense, but I don't, I'm, I'm superstitious enough where it's like, I legitimately, I don't want them. We'll give them this year's third, next year's third. They give us this year's fourth. And we keep our two firsts and our two seconds. Done. Handshake. Spit shake. Make it official. But anyways, I mean, that, that is the extent of the knowledge that we have is that there are teams making offers for Devontae Parker and the Dolphins said they would listen. And again, this is the other thing that's, that's at least interesting is it feels like the team just isn't doing anything and doesn't. They have not stopped making calls. I'm, I'm positive that they're talking to a lot of different options. And the only reason that a deal hasn't gotten done is because everybody's too high right now. I don't mean recreationally. I mean the, the costs are too high, not the, the, the GM on his you know nights. And they're probably just balancing some stuff. I mean, they may be ready to pull the trigger on a couple, but it's like, you know, See if I can whittle these guys down a little bit, you know, almost sort of playing them off each other a little bit because you're kind of getting to the part of free agency where, you know, in the early stages, the players, especially the top end players, have all the cards. If you want me, you're going to offer a lot more. Tyreek Hill, I mean, it's just you're going to give me top price. And the Chiefs also. No, you will also give me top price. Thank you very much for your time. At this stage, though, you got a bunch of guys who are facing the prospect of just not playing and getting to the point where once the season starts, the, your, your contract will bottom out. Like you, the, the amount of money that you were being offered before goes way down. Because now I've already got my team. I'm ready to go. I don't really need you, especially post-draft. I mean, if you're, you know, whether it's Julio or any of these guys, once the draft rolls around, a lot of these teams draft wide receivers and go, nah, I'm good. So you get them now while they're in somewhat of desperation mode. 
And again, as time goes by, and they still have a month to kind of play hardball and know I want more and all this stuff, but as time rolls on, the price is just going to continue to decline. And as teams start to fall off, again, we got a bunch of teams that have already satisfied it. Even the, the, the Chiefs, who still could use some wide receiver help, they at least got MVS already, and they spent a good amount of money on it. Are they going to go out and spend a bunch more money on another wide receiver? Obviously, the Raiders, and just, I mean, go down the line of everybody that picked up a wide receiver already. The Browns got Amari. The Rams got Allen Robinson. The Titans got Robert Woods. Um, the Buccaneers repaid Chris Godwin, which, you know, I mean, he's staying, but still. The Raiders got Devontae. Uh, oh, the Chiefs also had Juju Smith-Schuster. So again, are they going to get a third now? I don't think so. Um, you know, some smaller names out there. Jamison Crowder to the Bills, and Mike Williams stayed with the Chargers. The Lions, for example, signed a bunch of guys, none of them really big names. But, um, you know, DJ Chark was one of them. So it's getting to the point where there's less teams interested than there are players available. And that whole supply and demand thing starts to work against the players and for the teams. And, and this is why the Packers, under Ted Thompson especially, liked to wait. For a team that hates to overpay, the early stages are when you have to overpay to get the guys you want. Around now is the time where that balance starts to shift and those prices start to come down and you start getting deals. And the Packers are deal shoppers. And then fans might not like it, but especially Brian Gutekunst has done a great job when he's been bargain shopping. He doesn't always bargain shop. Sometimes he gets guys that are, you know, in the early stages, Zedarius and Preston and Amos and all these guys. I mean, these were not top-priced guys, which is great because it also worked out tremendously. And I think for the most part, they all overperformed. Even Billy Turner, who we got for scraps, was a, you know, long-term offensive lineman, filled in at right tackle for many years. And although he was not my favorite offensive lineman for the price, I think it panned out in our favor. But when he does bargain shop, you get the Razul Douglases and the Devondre Campbells, and those things also have worked out for us. So at this point, now we're, we're getting into bargain shopping territory. And the Miami Dolphins are kind of new into this. They're probably coming out with their highest price, and we'll see how much competition there is, how much interest there is in other teams, from other teams. But the Packers just get, I mean, it's, it's, it's really just a good thing overall for the wide receiver market for the Packers. Because with a new wide receiver entering the market, it puts pressure on everybody else the Packers have already been talking to to drop the price. Because I'm talking to all their agents, and they're like, hey, man, what's going on? Yeah, about that Julio thing, or whatever wide receiver you're interested in. Did you hear Devontae's coming in? Yeah, we're thinking about going in that direction. They offered us a pretty sweet deal, but uh, we, we wanted to give you guys a chance to maybe be a little reasonable. Here are the offers that we have um, and what the other people are asking. And it's the reason why we will not be paying you what you're asking. When you look at age and production and everything else, here seems to be the numbers and you're way outside it. So if you want your prime wide receiver who used to be really good to not find a team at all, which is a real bad optic, then keep your price right where it is. Otherwise, maybe a good idea to drop that price. And you know, you drop it here, we'll snack them up, snap them up right now. So again, it's frustrating for the Packers that they haven't done anything. But this is where the Packers can get still good wide receivers and not have to be stupid and massively overpay. So be patient. They're working on it. I'm, I'm not promising you that it gets done, but I think they're, um, they understand that there's still a lot of options and there's still a lot of time until the draft. And the closer, again, the closer we get to the draft, the more they try to play hardball, the harder it's going to be for them to, to maintain their prices. Now, there may be a, a slight flurry after the draft with a handful of teams that maybe didn't get the wide receivers they need, but, you know, whatever. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But the point is, 
you know, I don't know that um, I don't know that these guys want to hold out that long because even then they don't have a ton of leverage because there's going to be like two or three teams, and that's like we're the ones that need wide receivers. There is no market. It's just it's just us, and there's three of us, and there's seventeen of you. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break, right, Shia? Remember to uh, go check out our GoFundMe's. We're trying to raise money for Drew. Drew was diagnosed with epilepsy. We're trying to get him his seizure service dog. Also, in the Packing a Podcast Facebook group, we have a GoFundMe for Jamie and Carter. Jamie was in a uh, head-on collision. Uh, her one-year-old middle child, Carter, was also in the car at the time. Both of them were taking flight for life to the hospital. And again, we are not far from reaching that goal. So if you have the ability and are uh, able, willing, whatever, it would be great to um, help them in their time of need. Also, don't forget uh, amodernfrontier.com. Pork, chicken, beef. He's even selling law dogs now. He's continually adding to his site, which is great. It's good to see the growth and expansion and whatnot. So if you're in the market for some meat, I wish we were getting some nicer weather. I really want to go out and grill, but um, I still have not touched those steaks, partially because I've been just devouring pork lately. It's so easy to spend 20 bucks on this massive pork loin that I can feast on for like a week. Which, hey, listen, I don't need to hear about food safety, all right? I, it's fine. I'm just saying, it, it goes forever. And so, you know, between pork butt and pork loin, it's really hard to beat that, especially with prices and everything going up. And calories and whatnot. That's why I have such a hard time with deciding what to buy from him next time. Although sausages and bacon, might as well just get beef at that point. I don't know. Anyways, lots of options. Really, really affordable prices on meat. One of the benefits of buying from a local farm is you don't see a lot of the same price spikes. It's not subject to, you know, trucks with really high increased prices transporting meat across these different places and then taking it to the processing areas where they have increased prices. It's just a local farm direct to your home. Don't forget your promo code, MEATPACKER. That's one word, all caps, $25 off your order. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Also, I wanted to remind you, I haven't really bugged you guys for um, anything kind of self-serving in a while. If you use Spotify, which is uh, quickly becoming one of the top premier podcast players out there, um, if you wouldn't mind leaving me a review on there, uh, subscribing and leaving a review, that would be fantastic. I know iTunes dominates, but iTunes is straight up trash. And there's no point in me even trying to uh, get my rankings up on iTunes because I will remain 75th behind um, shows that have nothing to do with the Packers or football or anything because, again, iTunes is useless. But Spotify, I rank quite high because it's not entirely useless and it has somewhat of an algorithm that makes sense. But I don't want to get passed by everybody else that's um, getting tons of reviews and other people who are paying for reviews who will remain not named. So if you could just take a second... Again, if you're on Spotify, go ahead and follow, hit the little bell for notifications, and drop a It's the easiest place to review in the world. I know iTunes can be kind of a pain. You just click on it, you click the five stars, you click submit, and it's done. It's not 75,000 different prompts. Currently at 187 reviews, I'd like to pump up those numbers a bit. So let's see if we can get it to 200 quickly. All right, um, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, Brian Gutekunst um, breaking his silence a little bit. Ryan Wood wrote an article over at PackersNews.com, and have I mentioned I really don't like writers who write? (laughs) I mean, the more skilled you are, the less I like you as a writer. And let me tell you, Ryan Wood is an elite writer, but I just, it makes me sick to my stomach to read this. Let 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 me just read this to you. There's three paragraphs that tell you nothing, but are just so beautiful and eloquent. Eleven days after trading the NFL's best receiver, Green Bay Packers general manager Brian Gutekunst settled in the shade behind the Breakers Palm Beach Hotel, site of this week's NFL owners' meeting in the south in southeast Florida. Enough time had elapsed for the dust to settle on a departure that shook the Packers' foundation, though it did not come as much surprise, at least not for the people in the league familiar with the situation. The trade hung as a possible conclusion for months, ever since negotiations with receiver Devontae Adams halted before the 2021 season. The Packers made the mistake of letting Adams dream of writing his own future prioritize a reunion for with former college quarterback Derek Carr. Once the two-time All-Pro got a whiff of that freedom, he didn't let it go. By the time Gutekunst traded Aaron Rodgers' favorite receiver for a first and second round pick in this year's draft, he was sure there was no other possible outcome. Jeez, it's so dramatic. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? So, so what happened? What's, what's, what did Gutekunst say, dude? I mean, I get it. Like, you, you get paid to be a writer, so you don't want to just be like a, a regular blogger. That's just like, here's what happened uh, and stuff and like, dude. But give me some like dudes and just give me the quotes because I would prefer that. I promise you no one is paying for a subscription to PackersNews.com to figure out how you can turn zero information into like a script for a soap opera. Anyways, I'm sorry. I just, it just hurts my brain when it's like, what, what? Just tell me what happened. Why do I have to read so much to get so little? 
Anyways, if you skip the first three paragraphs, you get this. Gutekunst was convinced uh, Adams would not play for the Packers in 2022, whether he was traded or not. Quote, not at the end of the day, Gutekunst said. Those are really tough decisions. To lose a player of his caliber and what he's done for the organization, those are hard decisions and hard things to move on from. At the same time, I think once we got through the discussions with Devontae after the season, this is what was best for the organization and Devontae going forward. I'm, I'm assuming not at the end of the day was in response to the question, do you think he would have come back? Because nothing he said there had anything to do with Devontae coming back. So it would have been nice for him to preface what the question was, but that's fine. We'll just assume that one equals the other. He goes on to talk about how he talked to Aaron Rodgers about this a lot, which is obviously important and a good thing. Um, tried to solicit his help with Devontae, but also just get his feedback, um, you know, especially in terms of Devontae. If he's going to leave and you don't talk to Rodgers about it, that's going to be a problem, but they did. So let's not start those rumors because I'm sure they're, they're, they're a brew and he must be so mad, Rodgers, about the Devontae. Why didn't you ask Rodgers? He did. They talked like daily about the Devontae situation and, you know, how to proceed. An additional quote that came up that I found interesting, uh, this via Matt Schneidman. He says, Brian Gutekunst on why he traded Devontae Adams after refusing to trade Aaron Rodgers last season. He says, if we continued down the road we were, it was going to be difficult to put the team we wanted to put around Aaron and everybody. So I think two different situations. Again, these quotes are so, like you need some kind of a translator, with at least with Gutekunst, because it's like, what, what, what is the sentence here? But it sounds like what he's trying to say is, Although we're trying to keep, the, and this has been mine and pretty much everybody's objection to signing Devante. It's also why if you go to Packernet.com right now, there is a poll up. Um, 582 votes. Are you happy with the trade of Devante Adams? And, you, you know, the, the questions are as such that it, I don't know, it makes it hard to answer. But uh, the general answer of yes is 94%. So Packer fans, even now with the concern of what the heck are we going to do at wide receiver, are still 94% in favor of trading Devontae Adams. And I think a big part of that is understanding exactly this, what Gutekunst is saying. If we had signed Devontae, which we did try to do, we would have been in a really tough spot to be able to do much of anything else. And their vision for building the team, a, a team around Rodgers, is, is really two different visions, right? They were talking about two different situations, two different roads to go down. One is Devontae and kind of struggle everywhere else. The other is move on from Devontae and give ourselves the breathing room and the ability, not just this year, but beyond this year, to be able to build out this team fully, which is something I think a lot of Packer fans want. Now, you still have to execute, right? And there's obviously plenty of time to do that, but use that money and that draft capital to go out and execute. And what does that look like? Well, wide receiver is part of it. I think it was still probably part of it, even if Devontae was here, but just a smaller part of it. But offensive line is a major part of it. Defensive tackle, tight end, right? Let's finally try to get an actual solid tight. It's hard to do. There aren't very many good tight ends, but let's get one. Safety, core, whatever it is that you can do to, to raise the talent level, additional edge rushers, another linebacker, throw in a running back that's going to you know replace Aaron down the line. You know, what, whatever it is, continue to build this group so it's just dominant across the board. Whatever's going to help us get over that hump, which I, I, I stand by, trenches are the most important thing. It is. I mean, if you look at teams that collapse in the postseason, the inability to protect your quarterback is the number one issue. And so build up your offensive line so it doesn't happen to you. Build up your defensive line so you can do it to the other guy. That has been a consistent issue for the last at least couple years. Dominant teams getting derailed by an inability to protect the quarterback. And you throw in some suffocating defensive backs and, uh, you know, things of that nature. 
and you're set and ready to go. But that needs to be the priority. And again, if you sign Devontae, you're not doing any of that. We're not we're not going to bolster this offensive line, which means Aaron Rodgers is going to have Devontae, but he's also going to not have MVS. He's not going to have as good of a wide receiver room. And the offensive line takes a step back. So Aaron Rodgers is not going to be protected. We're not going to grow as a team that runs as much as we would like to run the ball better. And as much as we're wasting the amount of massive talent we have at running back because our guys can't run block. And now Rodgers is under pressure more, so his ability to to throw to Devontae and whoever else is available goes down. I mean, the team pretty clearly goes backwards. And and listen, we've gone backwards now, but I think we have a better ability. And I've mentioned this before. I think we have the ability to be a better overall team moving on from Devontae. That's not the case now because we haven't done anything yet. But this year and next year and the year beyond, when you look at the, the amount of draft picks, and again, even if rookies don't generally produce a ton in their first year, That is to say, I mean, they can be good. Like guys like Jair, and and I think we said two, maybe three guys had good rookie years. I don't think any of them had their best years in year one. Year two or year three generally is when they really break out. So, you know, this year you've got older players that hopefully start to break out. You've got whatever contribution you get from rookie. Next year you have, you know, this year and prior years starting to break out. You know, it it just compounds and it grows and it builds. And this is a major investment this year with all these picks in not just this year, but especially in the future, which I know nobody wants to hear that. We got to win this year or else it's a failure and they're going to try, but it's not just about this year. It's never just about this year. A um, couple other Gutekunst quotes. Um, this, these two via Zach Cruz. He says, Brian Gutekunst said he thinks all three of the Packers likely starters at cornerback can play in the slot. Quote, our entire corner group that we have right now probably could both play inside and out. Now, that's not a very, you got to remember, every single one of these answers comes with a question. And uh, that's sort of where you need to start. So essentially, the question is trying to pin him on what the heck are you going to do at corner? And he kind of weasels, it's an unfair way to say it, but weasels his way out of the question by saying they can all play in the slot. It's not entirely true. I think Eric Stokes played a little bit. And if I remember correctly, he was kind of terrible at it. And I don't know that Razul Douglas has ever proven to be a really solid contributor in the slot. And beyond that, none of these three guys do they want in the slot. They want all three on the boundary, which they can't be. And so I think that's just an easy way for him to kind of get out of that. And although there's some truth to it, and I'm sure all three of them at at various points will have to be in the slot uh, occasionally, just, you know, because there's a ton of rotation all over the place. It doesn't really address the main question of all three of these guys you would like to be on the outside. How do you reconcile that? And again, he can answer it the same way, but that is the question that is the problem, and he kind of just didn't really answer it. But that is sort of a general answer, and um, we'll see if that materializes. But the the odds that we see Eric Stokes as our full-time slot corner just seems extremely low to me, or Razul for that matter. I mean, especially, I would say especially Razul, because I, I think of, of all the corners that you want where they're facing the quarterback and dropping back and just waiting to jump routes, I just feel like the slot gets less of that. Because what is the slot guy doing a lot of time? He takes a step forward and he cuts to the inside. Well, you got to turn and run with him. There's a lot of turn and run there. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but it just it feels like a position that isn't going to be kind of just dropping with 10 yards in space and just watching the quarterback's eyes. And so again, we're left with Jair, and I'm just banging my head into the wall going, please do not take a premier corner and force him into the slot. That just sucks so much. Not that he wouldn't be great there. I mean, that was his whole thing. Like the the, the big question for Jair was, or it wasn't even a question. It was an assumption that he was just a slot corner. And I remember it because I, on my podcast, I said, he might be one of those guys that's good enough that could be like an Aqib Tlaib that is a slot guy, but he's also a boundary slash slot corner, which again, may end up being 
the result here. When there's three wide receivers, he goes into the slot, and the other two guys on the boundary, when there's two, it's him and whoever. But that doesn't still really answer the question. or I mean, it answers the question, but it doesn't really satisfy the problem of moving Jair off the premier position. Anyways, um, Gutekunst on acquiring punter Pat O'Donnell. He says his consistency, not only as a punter, but as a holder, his directional punting is excellent. So we kind of knew the holder thing was a big piece of this. Um, he said he has familiarity with Rich Basaccia, which is important. He says more consistency all around in O'Donnell over Bojo. I don't know exactly who said that or is that a question or what that is, but then un- underneath that is a quote that says holding is a big part of that. So I, I really think that is a, I mean, he's he's been a longtime punter for um, the Bears. And although he, I don't think ever has graded out or his statistics are never super elite, I really do think that as it says here, consistency is a big part of it. We just want, we're, we're seemingly, and we may end up drafting a punter or bringing in competition or whatever the case may be, but seemingly we're getting away from these guys that can kick balls out of the stadium, but just struggle with consistency and moving in the opposite direction. Because that's what we've done. J.K. Scott had a booming leg. Bojo, booming leg. Right, And I think the thought process is in wintertime, you need somebody that can cut through that weather. Well, they got a guy that we that they know can play in the weather and can be consistent. Even if he's kind of consistently average, I, I feel like they're at the point now where they're like, let's Again, set a baseline of consistently average, so it's just not a, a catastrophe for our special teams. And we'll, we'll go from there. Um, finally, I just want to look at this article over at Cheesehead TV by the great Ronaldo, kind of just breaking down the specifics of what I've been telling you Ken Ingles has been saying. Because um, I think for a lot of people, you look at $15 million and say, how in the world are you telling me we have no money? We have $15 million. So here is sort of his breakdown of what money has to be paid out. He says, for draft picks in the near future, it's between 4.8 and $5.2 million. All of these, well, not all, but the draft picks that we have, including the additional first and second, have a cost that have to be paid. Um, basically, from there, you subtract out the 51 uh, rule or whatever. Basically, anyone after your 51st player does not count against your cap. So as you add a player, you also subtract that guy who's at the, um, like your 51st guy gets kicked down. And so his gets subtracted. So if you add $5 million and the guy at the bottom is, is 250000 then it's $5 million minus 250000 or whatever. And he goes on to say that seventh-round picks, uh, based on their cost, will not count against the cap. So there's that, which also may be part of the reason why seventh-round picks... Um, Packers always seem to have like three or four seventh-round picks, which I always hate because I don't care about them, but that kind of makes sense. Again, it's kind of an early jump on undrafted free agents, and they're not going to cost you know, against the cap, so that's, that's worth noting. Uh, he says two point nine to three point five million dollars for your practice squad. He says teams can have fourteen players on the practice squad. The minimum is eleven thousand five hundred per week times eighteen weeks equals two hundred and seven thousand per player. Fourteen players at a minimum would cost two point eight nine eight million dollars. That's the minimum. However, four players can be veterans who earn a minimum of fifteen thousand four hundred to a maximum of nineteen thousand nine hundred per week. If the Packers paid four veterans the maximum, those four would cost one point four three two. Uh, plus 10 at the minimum, 2.07 million, equals a possible total of $3.5 million. So again, between 4.8 and 5.2 for the draft, 2.9 and 3.5 for um, uh, the practice squad. So we're sitting at around $8 million for all that. He goes on to say 1.5 million, 52nd and 53rd contracts due in September. The minimum is 705000 and a player with a credited season has a minimum of 825000 I just use $1.5 million, but it could be $1.41 to $1.65. I would expect one or two undrafted free agents to make the team. 
Then he says, $5 million piggy bank slash churn, whatever that means. He says, this includes paying for injury reserve, pup, and in-season stuff, including player acquisitions. For example, Randy Ramsey spent the entire year on IR. Green Bay had to pay him while he was on the reserve, but also paid Garvin or uh, Tipigaleo, one of whom probably replaced Ramsey on the 53-man roster. Promoting players from the practice squad to the active roster on game days does not cost a lot, about 28000 per player in general, but two per game could cost $941,000 each. That is why the Packers did not always promote as many players as the rules allowed. The fans want Green Bay to have the ability to sign an Odell Beckham in October. Green Bay had over $10 million in cap space just after cutdowns and $7.5 million the day before Game 1 last year. They finished with $2.9 million to roll over. Ken Ingles listed more alarming numbers in this tweet, which uh, I guess we could look at, but I won't. Possibly his numbers were right before cutdowns, whereas my numbers were after the dust had settled from cutdown. So it's just different numbers, but that, that's kind of the point. They had 10, what he's saying we should carry 5 million in. He's saying last year we had 10 million in space just after cutdowns. That went down to 7.5 the day before game one. Small period of time, 2.5 million gone. And at the end of the year, they had under $3 million left. So they had spent $7 million. He's saying we need at least five. Yeah, no kidding. So if we go in with five, we have very little ability to do anything. In-season acquisitions, um, anything. He says A through D all the stuff we've talked about so far, totals $14.2 million to $15.2 million for these future essentially required bills. I have deemed this too deep in the weeds to mention hitherto, but the Packers received a $5.1 million credit for 2022, which increases the team's salary cap space under Article 13, Section 6 of the CBA, credit for salary forfeited and refunded. Uh, I'm not going to read the actual text of that. It's uh, legal jargon stuff, but he goes on to say, had to have been mostly for Zadarius, and then he goes on to say what um, uh, Ken Ingles had said here, which kind of elaborates. So I'll say what Ken says, and then I'll allow him to elaborate. But he says, remaining cap flexibility options, which is available options to give us even more money, which is nice because it sounds like we could use it. It also is the reason why the Packers are still shopping. Because again, the idea that we can't do anything because we're at zero isn't necessarily true because the Packers understand that there is still some flexibility there. The options include extend Jair, which again is not something they can just do. It needs to be agreed upon, and I don't expect that to happen soon. Restructure Lazard's RFA tender. Cut, restructure, extend Lowry. Cut, restructure, extend Crosby. He says a couple less likely options. Restructure Elton Jenkins. Restructure Rashawn Gary. But the article continues, and it says, I'd estimate the Packers can generate $14 million to $16 million more in cap space from Jair Alexander, 6 to $8 million. So let, let me rephrase this because it sounded like it said something it didn't. 14 to 16 total from Jair, 6 to 8 million. Lowry, 3 to 6 million. 1.3 from a simple restructure of Lewis, 2.4 million from uh, Lazard by adding four void years, and 2.395 million from a release of Mason Crosby. Green Bay would need to coop, uh, would need cooperation from Jair Alexander and Alan Lazard. It can't be imposed by the Packers. There have been no reports as to whether the Packers paid Lewis his $2.08 million roster bonus or if they converted it to a signing bonus. If they paid it, that ship has sailed, so to speak. In other words, that may have already been done. But again, this, this is why, and this is also why people say that the salary cap is fake. It's clearly not. If it was, we would just, I mean, first of all, we would have paid Devante because we could just offer him $40 million, right? I mean, it's such a stupid notion that it's fake, but whatever, right? I mean, could we pay him $40 million? Is that, uh, the, it's fake, right? We can do whatever we want. <laughs> It's not fake, but there, there is a lot of flexibility. And, and all of this flexibility, the, the problem is 
it's kind of the flexibility that's fake. And people look at the numbers as being fake and the flexibility is real. The flexibility, the, the 14 to $16 million in space that we can generate makes it seem as though the numbers aren't real, but they are. It's just that we're pushing money somewhere else. And it's something that's going to cause problems next year. For example, all the dead cap space we have right now, nobody's acknowledging that as being part of what we did to help our past. People saw it in the past and said, see, that proves it's fake. It's not fake. It's on our cap today. But nobody today is going, there's your reality sitting there in the form of dead cap space. They just see our cap number and say, okay, this is our cap number, and now we can generate $16 million. See, it's fake. No, it's not. The reason we need to generate more money is because we have less money, and we have less money because we have dead cap space. And the reason we have dead cap is because we spent today's money yesterday. Also, the reason Zedarius isn't on the team largely is because we restructured the, his contract to death to such a degree that his salary cap spiked to a stupid number that nobody in the world would ever pay, forcing us to cut him. So the, the flexibility really is an illusion. The fact that we can just generate $15 million out of the sky, that's an illusion. So the fakeness is actually fake. It just appears fake to people that just refuse to acknowledge basic reality. It's really not that... I mean, this is complicated stuff, but it really is just addition subtraction. I mean, this is not that difficult. It's complex in terms of really understanding how the nuances of how everything works. I'm not going to pretend like this is so simple and I understand all of it because I don't. But again, it's not that hard of a concept to understand that although we can generate... I mean, if, if it was so simple, we would just do it. There's a reason that they're choosing not to because they don't want to if they don't have to because it's just going to hurt them in the future. So ideally, you don't do any of these things. What, what, obviously, Jair, you want to do, clearly, not just because it helps this year, but in the long term, we just want to sign him to an extension. And the sooner, the better, because that man's price just will not stop going up. I, I suppose there's the option of not doing it this year, and he doesn't have a great year, and gets hurt again, and then, you know, but whatever. Let's just, let's just sign him, all right? Let's not worry about it. But anyways, he summarizes with essentially what I've been saying, but again, this is just much more in-depth and uh, helpful. He says, so yes, the Packers can spend money now on a free agent wide receiver or some other player, but anything they do now would have to uh, would have a corresponding move that pays for such an acquisition by altering one or more of the contracts of the four players I listed above. There is no particular reason to suppose that Lazard would not agree to adding void years or that the Packers would have trouble reaching an extension with Jair. I do not like to spend the mortgage money on something else until I have cash in hand, but that could just be me. So there you go. That is the entirety of the situation we're in. We do not have $15 million to spend. We essentially have zero when you factor in all the money that we absolutely have to have. However, we do have money when you factor in that if we decide to bring in somebody, if we decide to bring in a Devontae Parker, which costs us, let's just say it's $5.5 million, and they, they don't restructure it or do anything crazy with it, they just take on the $5 million cap hit. Again, there are options. You could potentially get that from Lowry, if you release them um, on a June release, you can get that easily from Jair or, you know, a handful of these other things here combined. So anyways, uh, shout out to the great Ronaldo for that article, as well as Ken Ingalls for uh, kind of banging this drum for quite a while and essentially telling us these things. In other words, 15 million isn't 15 million, but it could be 15 million. <laughs> How's that for making sense? But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.